Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? The people that are making those decisions mostly are men and they just don't understand what it's all about and there is a need to educate those sort of people that are in that power. My guests on this week's podcast are power couple Angela and Phil Sobrano. Ange is a long-time PR professional and has represented the biggest celebrities and brands touring within Australia, such as Stephen Tyler, Mariah Carey, the Backstreet Boys, Celine Dion, John Mayer, Guy Sebastian, the Foo Fighters, Olivia Newton-John, Justin Timberlake and John Farnham, to name a few. Phil is one of Australia's most talented musicians and is well known for his many successful years as his sister Kate Sobrano's band leader, creative partner, lead guitarist, vocalist and co-producer. Ange and Phil are connected on many fronts, work, family, and their passion for all things music. While we could chat about their impressive careers or managing a work-life balance, today Ange and Phil are sharing their journey through IVF. We discuss the complex trials of their IVF journey, the horrific mistake made by Monash IVF, and the toll the past few years has taken on their efforts. I'm honoured that they're here to share their personal and very candid story with us, so let's dive in. And and Phil Sobrano, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Good to be here. How fun. It's, I've only ever done couples twice before, so I uh, love having double people to chat to and kind of pick their brains on these topics, so super excited to have you here. So let's kick off. If there is one thing you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? So many topics to choose from, right, Phil? <laughs> yeah, but I guess uh, the one thing that we've been pretty kind of involved in over the last few years mm. um, is the IVF journey. Yeah, IVF, uh, fertility, infertility, miscarriage, <laughs> that whole realm of, uh, of topics I think is something that we'd love to shine a light on and talk more about and help others feel less alone if they're going through it. Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be our topic for today. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. yeah let's go deep. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Let's go deep indeed. This is a topic that you're passionate for a reason. So can you give uh, our listeners and myself a bit of background of why this is something that's so important for you both. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably a topic that we didn't really know much about many years ago. Uh, we've been trying to have a baby or family for, what, maybe seven, eight years now, I would say. So a period of time um, and, you know, we didn't know much about IVF. We didn't know much about fertility challenges. We knew a little bit about miscarriage, had some friends that had experienced that, but it's not really something that they ever opened up and spoke very openly about and then Phil and I actually, we did get pregnant a couple of years ago and sadly we had a miscarriage. It was devastating because I really didn't know too much about it. I thought there was definitely going to be there's something wrong with me. How could this happen? Like we'd just gone from this complete high of finding out that we were pregnant for the first time. And then very sadly, we actually, and it felt quite cruel, I think, we miscarried on Mother's Day a couple of years ago. And it was just being in that hospital when that was happening on Mother's Day. I was like, this is a cruel joke. Like, what have I done? 
in life to deserve this, you know, and, and went to quite a dark place. But then once we started actually speaking to friends and family um, and doing our own research, we were like, actually, this is very common. You know, this, this happens to a lot of people more often than not. It's just something that most people don't talk about. So, And that was the thing that kind of made me go, some things have to change here because mm. even myself, I'd seen it as not a t- taboo topic, but something that, oh, they've had a miscarriage. We, we speak in hushed tones now and <laughs> we must feel for them rather than, you know, oh, man, so common, you know, and this is like like what Andrew's saying. This is this is what we found out when we were speaking to other people. Mm-hmm. They'd be they'd saying, oh, yeah, my wife, we had maybe four or five before we had our three kids, yeah. you know, and it made us feel like, oh. oh, okay, oh, okay, so it's not like, you know. And then similarly when we embarked on the IVF journey, just walking up to the first place we went to, the name of their clinic was, the infertility clinic or something like that. Infertility solutions. Infertility solutions. <laughs> and then our thing was, well, we're not infertile. We got pregnant. We just had a miscarriage. <laughs> yeah. Right? So it was almost like what they're saying by that is, oh, you poor things, you've come to us, uh, you know, at a last resort, you know. And we really was to just uh, talk us through this, talk yeah. us into Yeah, what are our options, right? yeah. We felt like we were being end-gamed from the minute it, we got there. Yeah, I remember that day. That was so bizarre. I remember both of us walking in and I looked at Phil and I was like, I think this is a bit premature. And we almost made a joke of like, this is ridiculous. Why are we here? Like yeah. it just didn't feel quite right. So that that I think that was the first time we were like, whoa, okay, this is this is gonna be a whole new thing, a new yeah. language that we need to understand. And um, yeah, it was very interesting time. But the miscarriage thing, like we just like feel sad, we had no idea. I mean, I went to work the next day and was still miscarrying. And I just that's what you do, just get on with it because well, no one's talking about it. I'm gonna sit at home and just cry all day, but maybe I should have, you know, mm-hmm. like and just we didn't know much about it back then. It was interesting um, just listening to you talk about that. I remember my mum, bless her, she passed away 25 years ago, but I remember when I was younger and she used to say, so I've got an older brother that's 18 months older than me and then myself and then there's a 10-year gap and then my little sister and my little brother. And so people always thought growing up that my parents maybe were divorced and they were from a second family and I said, no, no, it's the same mum and dad. And they're like, why the gap? The truth of the matter was that mum had had three miscarriages, but no one ever talked about it. And instead of, you know, saying, oh, I had three miscarriages, I was such a hyperactive child. They said, Michelle was so full on that it took us 10 years to decide whether we wanted another child or not. So, you know. I'm not going to jump at any kind of conclusions on where it comes from, which areas of society or, or which areas of conservative thinking it comes from. I won't go down there but there is a stigma of like well <clears throat> well yes well that's the ladies business and we, we leave the ladies business for, for the ladies but we're in the 21st century now and there's so much being spoken about about so many other things and mm-hmm. then, you know everyone getting offended about this and that and this and that mm-hmm. but this is the stuff that needs to be brought more to the fore of something that oh yeah it's so common and it's it's just part of a journey this word journey is something that I've clung on to because it's better than saying it's a real struggle. You know, oh, yeah, that, and, and you get that a lot. But yes. it's just a journey like any other mm. other thing in your life that you work at. And I think we're thriving through it, to be honest. <laughs> like I feel like I've never felt stronger. I've, my resilient 
levels are very high since going through this and it won't go as far as saying IVF has been a, a gift uh, by any means I won't say that but it has taught me a lot and I am thankful that we have access to this technology and that we can do it and I think like me pre-IVF and me now are two very different people and you know I used to cry when I'd get a blood test or a needle I was like so scared of those sort of things and now I'm driving to a meeting and I'm Pink injecting cushion. there's no problem <laughs> In the car, in the car park. Yeah, in between a, oh. an event or a red carpet that we might be hosting for a work event, I'm like behind the media wall just quickly doing an injection and then I'm back on my game, you know. Yeah. It's been interesting but I, I feel like we'd love more people to talk about it and, you know, we've got someone in our office that is going through IVF with their partner and I and I talk about it with him all the time. I'm like, this, like how are you feeling? How are you actually feeling? Because we understand to be, able, to be able to talk about it means that more people can have empathy for what you're going through. And I think that is what the world needs more of, more empathy. Yeah, so yeah most definitely. Where is the journey at for you now in terms of that day that you first walked in and, you know, how many IVF treatments have you gone through? And, you know, if you're happy to talk about that and what you've gone through over this time. Well, at this point, you tend to lose count of how many IVF cycles we've done, but I think it's 14. I think we've done 14 rounds of IVF, which is quite a lot. And for anyone that doesn't understand IVF, so basically that means that we did a lot of back-to-back cycles too, which some doctors don't, um, you know, tend to do. Our doctor is amazing and she's like, go for it. If you feel like you're up to it, you can absolutely. So we did a lot lot of back-to-back cycles. And so my body has been producing... Probably the equivalent to if you produce one or two eggs a month naturally, my body's been producing about 10 to 15 eggs every month. And so that's a lot for the Mm. body to produce that through the help of hormones and injections that you're giving yourself on the daily. We've been on a little bit of a break recently, which has been really nice uh, to not have to talk or think about IVF. We haven't actually spoken about IVF in our household for, I don't know, a good month or so. It's been nice. Yeah, and and also just just backtracking a little bit, doing that through the lockdowns as well. And you have a lot of people telling you, oh, you know, the key to getting pregnant is you you have to minimise your stress. I was like, okay, right now there's a global pandemic. (laughs) And you want to kill each other. I couldn't think about anything about having sex, right? I'm not sure what's happening with work or whether it's possible to even sustain a profession as a musician in the world we have an agency we're responsible for 20 plus employees so thanks for your help on that (laughs) we'll try not to stress we'll try not to stress through it or the other one just go on a holiday we just went on a holiday and we got pregnant oh yeah that's that's the other one list literally if i have two bucks i'd be a millionaire two bucks for each time someone has said oh yeah no, my, I had some friends, yeah, no, nah, they were on the IVF for five years and they, they, you know, they really gave it a good bash. They spent tens of thousands of dollars and they just gave it up. A couple of years later, they've had three kids. The subtext of that that they're, they're saying to you is, A, I feel what you're going through. B, it's a lot of bullshit. Uh, you're just going to get pregnant anyway if you just relax. Although saying, saying that, that <laughs> maybe they're right. Because this is this is so funny. The irony is that yes, we have done fourteen rounds of IVF, and then Phil and I did go to Hawaii. We were on the first plane out of Sydney, which sounds like a cold chisel song. But the first plane out of Sydney <laughs> after the lockdowns, we'd had this trip booked for years. Yeah, it just kept getting pushed back and yeah. back. With so we got on the first plane to Hawaii, and we're on a break from IVF. 
Yes. And drinking uh, cocktails, you know, all the things. Literally that in the to. pool in those plastic cocktail glasses. Mm-hmm. And Ange just discovered whiskey sours. Yeah. Oh, I like these. <laughs> so four later, I've, I've never seen it so relaxed. It's awesome. And of course, we did get oh. pregnant from that evening after sours. Sour right. whiskeys. What are they whiskey called? Sour. Whiskey sours. Whiskey sours. <laughs> <laughs> and we did get pregnant, so we were one of those annoying people. Unfortunately, when we got home, we had another miscarriage. So, But yeah. the hope that it gave us was that literally the first clinic that we went to, the doctor used four berries. Yeah. It will be very, 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 very unlikely <laughs> for you to get pregnant naturally, right? So you've come to the right place. We can really sort you out. We can look after you, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you thought about surrogacy? This is the first day, day one. <laughs> Right, and so again, end gaming you from your first day. So then, fourteen cycles later, and we get pregnant naturally. You go, hang on a second, what's going on here? You know, just drink whiskey. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Sounds like. <laughs> well, back in the day, you get that whole judgment, right? People just did what they did. So, having gone through this myself, have you thought about the chance of not having children, or you know, is there a and a space where you stop going through this and or is that not an option for you both? There's nothing we haven't thought of. <laughs> well, I looked after my nephew a couple of weeks ago and Phil came home and I was like, you know, if this IVF thing doesn't work out, we're good, we're good. <laughs> he, he can go back home now. He was a lot. We've spoken about it. We don't speak about that side of things too much. We don't allow our minds to go there because I just believe that we will definitely be parents and it's going to happen one way or the other. Um, and so we haven't really spoken about that too much if it doesn't happen. But at the end of the day, like we keep saying Phil's my family you know like he for me is enough but I know that we'll be parents so I don't really focus on it too much I know it will happen in the spirit of going deep I believe that we live in a world that deals with more more and more with sort of absolutes (laughs) you know and I think we need to kind of work a little bit more in the area of what makes you happy and what's good for you you know what I mean it's like oh you're married when are you going to have kids absolute yeah. Or, oh, oh, you've been living together for 10 years. When are you going to get married? married? Absolutely- or you're a girl, you have to marry a boy. Or, you know, and that's what I love with all the younger generation shaking the shit out of that now about, yeah, I'm into men today. Oh, next week. Oh, yeah, now I'm with a girl. I'm like, wow, we just never, you know, our age, they were never quite that fluid other than, you know, the tiny little percentage of uh, kids you went to school with that were wild, you know, but now everyone's kind of really this fluidity. I'm loving that. That fluidity should spread more into these traditional lifestyles as well about whether you're going to have kids or not, mm, whether, you're, yeah. you know, whether you're getting married or not. Another absolute we get a lot is, oh, you, you, you're in a business together, you work together, you must be at each other's throats the whole time. And I'm like, where do you get that from? <laughs> you know, in fact, we've been together for 15 years, married for 14 years, mm. working together for 10 mm. and with me in the business now for the last seven years and it's great so i don't know yeah it was only yesterday we were driving to a big media call that we're doing for one of our clients and i said i looked at phil and said this is so cool this is so cool that we go get to go to work Mm. you know together like you know some people are going to a bank and one and working in a bank on one side of melbourne and someone else is working somewhere else on the other side Mm. of melbourne like this is cool we actually have to stop and be like this is actually really great and we've created this 
proud of that because it is bloody hard having your own business without a doubt it is hard and it's lonely and then you add on IVF treatment on top of that so I'm a little bit of a psycho most of the time um, from all the hormone infections and he's a saint to put up with that but we have to stop on those good days and be like how good is this you know you've got to be grateful you know we're looking at everything Mm. and however it kind of works out I think Ange will be a great mum Thank you, Phil. I kind of know that I'll be a great dad. <laughs> There's a bit of an age difference between Ange and I. A little bit, quite a lot. How, how much? Come on, you can't say that. How many years? 17. Years between us. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Did you say that your husband was Yeah, he's 20 years older than me. Yeah. And again, the judgment, right? Like people had an opinion. I met him when I was 29. You know, so we've been together 21 years. So um, She's too mature for her age and I'm immature for my yes, age. So I think we're the same. <laughs> we both thought there was about 10 years difference between us. So, uh, yeah, same, I think. But, but go on. Sorry to interrupt. So the age difference, Phil, you were saying? Well, yeah, which means we're ready for that, you know, that time of our lives, you mm-hmm. know, and that's going to happen. It will happen yeah. however it does. And we do live in a really amazing world with science and technology and, we can look at different options. Yeah, absolutely. And we're open to options. You know what? We're looking at the egg donor route at the moment. Absolutely. Um, you know, with Phil being, this is another assumption that a lot of people make because Phil's much older than me. They assume that the problem is with Phil. Well, let me just set the record straight. Phil is as fit as a bull and the doctor rang him to tell him that he has super healthy, super strong sperm. He used the word, he used the term super sperm. <laughs> Do you put that on your Insta handle now? Yeah. I want to get like fire. a T-shirt or something. Super sperm. Yeah. Bloody oath. I want to see you on the stage rocking with the guitar with super sperm T-shirt. It's got to be done. And I'm still waiting for the day. I mean, we all know Phil was a bit of a thing in the 90s. So I'm still waiting for the day that there's a knock at the door and there's like an 18-year-old standing there going, are you my dad? <laughs> so, you know, we could end up parents that way as well. You <laughs> never know. Okay, yeah, that's right. You just said we're ready for open for anything. Anything. Right? That's it. That is the question because as I was literally recovering from my, you know, radical hysterectomy, which then I, you know, I was 31 and had always wanted to have kids. And so I'm laying there, got out of hospital after a month and stuff and I was at home and a girlfriend came to visit me and she was so obsessed as she'd been going through I. IVF and she's like, have you fro- frozen your embryos? Have you done this? Have you done that? Have you looked at surrogacy? And I was like, whoa, it was trying to concentrate on getting well. And, you know, I'd just gone through that, like how you describe working together and being together and having that beautiful connection that you obviously do for all these years. Like a lot of people don't have a relationship like yours that could do all those things that you do together. So that says a lot and, you know, really appreciating that. So for me, I was like far out. I'm just lucky to be alive. Like, yes, I wanted kids. It's really sad that I can't be a mother. And I don't know if I'm ready for surrogacy or adoption yet because I'm just in this moment right now, but I feel really lucky to be here. And so I was just kind of, you know, then I'd take every day on. And as I sort of started to go through it, then I had to reconcile with different elements and say, did I want to try adoption? Did I feel okay to do surrogacy? And we're talking nearly 20 years ago. So for me, it wasn't really an option at the time. So I'm curious how, if you've looked at those sort of options and is it, are you able to do that now if you wanted to? So you say, look, egg donor, can you do something, you know, the surrogacy element, like what does it look like for you? Yeah, definitely we can do egg donor. And I think that's one of the things that we're passionate about talking about. They don't make it easy to access that 
Australia. To receive an egg in Australia, it needs to be from a friend or someone that's willing to give you an egg and they have to do it for free. You can't pay for that in Australia, which I think is is ridiculous. It just has to change. It does have to change. It, it is ridiculous, you know, so there's many people that are in our boat that are you know, going to to America or going to Spain or they're going to Greece or they're going to South Africa to get donor eggs. I think that's just ridiculous. We've got that has to change. It does have to change. And do you know Absolutely. why? Just our laws and the, I think we're a very conservative market in yeah, regards to that. Exactly. And, and it would it be the same kind of thought mindset that tried to put IVF on hold mm. during the lockdowns, yes. which we got. That was just ridiculous. Ridiculous, you know. Yes. And I think it's that lack of education and I think that's why it's so important to talk about these things because it is just a lack of ad- education. You know, when they halted IVF during the pandemic, uh, Phil and I went on a quite a rampage of lobbying to ensure that that was reinstated. It only took 48 hours for us mm. to help our doctor and a lot of the other people within the community to rally together to make sure that it was reinstated and the government apologised for it and they didn't understand what was involved. And this is the issue is that the people that are making those decisions mostly are men and they just don't understand what it's all about and there is a need to educate those sort of people that are in that power. And we are passionate about doing that. That'll probably be the next thing that we go down is, yeah. you know, kind of helping people that want to have a baby, but you can't do it freely in Australia uh, and you have to travel overseas. And that brings a lot of other risks as well, uh, going to, you know, different health systems and, and different countries to do things like that. We're looking at doing that, absolutely. Um, and if that's the way we have to do it, that's the way we have to do it, you know. But do you know what's going to happen? What will happen? Well, from what we've been told is that we'll do that and we'll get a baby and then a couple of years later we'll get pregnant naturally. After a few whiskey yeah, salads. Yeah, we'll have two more <laughs> naturally. All <laughs> oh, just been a big waste of time. Oh, well, Phil, I've just turned 40, so uh, the stats are a little oh, inconsistent on that. Oh, the other day we met somebody. Yeah, oh, yes, I had my fourth child when I was 52. You know, you don't have, you're still young. Yeah, but that's a nice attitude, though. Isn't that lovely for someone to, is, you know, is, do the other way? Is. But, uh, you know, how do you deal with that shit? Because I know for me, and that's why I wrote the book about it's okay not to have kids, because I was sick of being judged then. You know, not only had I gone through the cancer journey, had to, you know, deal with the fact that I couldn't be a mother naturally. And for me, the surrogacy, I turned out through all my kind of, you know, soul searching, it wasn't what I wanted. I wanted to be a mum and be pregnant and, you know, have all the things. And so for the, it just didn't feel right for me. And everyone's different through that. And the adoption, it was ruled out for us because of the combined age of, you know, being um, older and stuff as well. It wasn't an option for us. So, you know, reconciling with all that, then getting on with my life and going, okay, well, there's so many other things I can do now that I don't have kids and, you know, throwing myself into all that and then being judged on the corporate stage because it was like, oh, you're one of those women that puts your job before you're, you know, having a family. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. You don't know my life. Like, so I mean, that judgment is so shit. So how do you guys deal with that? And what do you say to people? Yeah, from a female perspective, I feel that absolutely because I've had that judgment for a long time because I am ambitious. I've had my own company for 12, 12 years and, you know, when I worked for corporate before that um, at Sony Music, uh, I started so young. I, you know, I was in my 20s when I was there um, and worked my way up and then started my own thing. And the constant question I get is, oh, yeah, but you're a career girl. You're very ambitious. I mean, you made your choices. It's like 
you have no idea when we even tried to start having a baby. I probably had these issues when I was 19 or 20, you know, mm-hmm. like it's not really, it's not about that, but the judgment and the lack of understanding and the lack of people that are willing to want to understand it instead they'll just judge and so yeah that's pretty infuriating I think for me also the thing that really makes my blood boil is when there are pregnant women out there complaining on social media the whole time I'm so tired I've just had a baby I can't sleep yes I get it it's really fucking hard I'm sure it is I haven't had that experience haven't had the privilege of having that experience gonna get killed for saying this but at the same time I'm like just be grateful I'll take anything for those like sleepless nights and I think it's important educate people because for the 50% of people that have had babies and are lucky to be able to do that naturally there's probably 50% of other women that are really struggling and silently that that you know wish to have that as a problem so they're the things that kind of upset me the most. I'm going to take this angle on this I think that the key word or the key mindset to have is empathy if we're talking about things that people should talk about more Just the concept of communication without empathy is pointless, you know. We should be talking to each other with empathy. What is that person going through? How can I I feel what they're going through? We have a society where people like love the sound of their own voices and they love the sound of their own voices telling you their story, but seemingly without any care for what's on the receiving end. So this is a particular subject that a lot of people have gone through, more people than, ever, than people are talking about are going through this. And that needs to be known more so that then you don't get that judgment, you know, because we're sitting in the waiting room at the IVF clinics. It's not just career women. Mm. There's young 23, 24-year-old women in there as well. Yeah. There's a young guy in there who's got his issues as well. And it's just something that we need to speak about in the same way as you speak about anything really you know you probably like cancer now right now you talk about it i mean it's so prevalent but people you never used to talk about that mental health exactly yeah yeah i'm not sounding like an old guy when i say you know half the things that you're seeing on social media and on the news is, is about mental health and about whether or not a young person identifies as this or that and i'm like well the young person was born from a mother at one point and that mother went through what they went through and yet that mother's now out of the picture and now it's this young kid and we're all talking about it. And I'm happy. Let's have that conversation because we've all been through and we all go through our stuff, right, but we also have to go back to that sort of hippie concept of the mother, you know. There's something in that as well. I just don't think that's spoken enough about and I think it's because old fuddy-duddy blokes. There you go. That's I'm glad you said that, that we don't have to say it ends, right? <laughs> so just the final kind of part I'm curious about, obviously, you know, speaking out, you've clearly got each other supporting each other through this, but have you found there's other places or networks or people that you've lent on or, you know, to help reconcile some of the stages and the things that you've gone through and all the roller coaster? I imagine that, you know, this has taken you on to not lean on each other continuously because there'd be times that you go, well, I don't want to, you know, subject Ange to this today. She's got a bit going on or I don't want to, you know, have this conversation with Phil because it's a bit like how have you managed that in terms of support around you? Yeah, I would say that is a really positive thing about social media is that you have this amazing community of very supportive women and men that are going through this um, together, lots of different couples or even single people that want to become mothers and are joining these 
amazing forums and there's so much support there is no judgment in these forums um people are just saying this is my experience this is what i'm feeling today this is what i'm going through and people chime in and help each other out i've met so many i've met a beautiful group of women in melbourne and we've we've gone out to lunch and we've had meetups and it's been amazing to to meet other people that are going through this i've lost friendships during going through ivf because my friends just some friends just couldn't understand what i was going through and i found that really hard and some comments that would, would get thrown back at you um, from people that you never expected it. You know, well, just don't have kids. They're not that great anyway. Like, you can have mine. No, that's not a great way to, like, let me give you 10 tips of how to talk to someone that's going through an IVF. You know, it's probably not one thing that is going to be on that list. So, yeah, it's been challenging, but that has been a great thing about the socials, I think, is just connecting with other people. And I, I worry for the men that go through it because I think women are really great talkers and we can talk to each other and we're very open with that. But I think the men, I think, suffer probably more than us because we have a chat, we have a cry, we get it out. But Phil has been such a rock for me and sometimes I have to stop and go, hang on, well, he's in this too, he's part of this. How are you actually feeling today? Well, I've got to say, from that perspective, I've, I've mentioned the old fuddy-duddy men, but younger men, my, my generation, are actually really supportive and really open from the highfalutin city slickers that I hang with to the gardener who's out doing the gardening at the moment. He's, he's fixing some fences. Oh, yeah, you know, my brother went through IVF, you know, and we're open to have it, have mm. that chat. That's, mm, that's, that's beautiful. I played a pub in Mornington and another mate of mine came along in his plastic bag and he said, oh, mm. my wife saw your thing on um, social media and we went through IVF and we wanted to give these books to you that um, she'd read. It does get a bit of Oh, emotion. like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm finding about the tears you know. on that one because people are so kind, really. There are so many kind people out there that, they read about us in the newspaper or socials or whatever and to come to one of Phil's gigs and give him a book and then to pass on a book for me, like I just think that is the most sweetest, kindest thing that you can do for somebody. And that meant the absolute world. I, I remember when that happened. I think I was going through a miscarriage at the time yeah. and Phil came home and I just I just cried but it was like for the first time it was like happy tears because someone was just so kind yeah. and big thing that we advocate for just be kind because you don't know what someone's going through yeah. and if you do know just those tiny little things can make such a huge difference to someone's day and mental well-being mm. yeah so beautiful and I think that's the uh, the message for you know you're saying is sharing these stories and you know provides that empathy because people then understand kind of more what what everyone's going through something and the more we can support each other through that. And the other kind of element to that, I think, I guess, is where people don't know what to say. And I always say to them going through death or, you know, cancer or different things is actually say that, just go, you know, like, Ange, I don't know what to say with what you're going through. I've never been through that before, but, you know, genuinely and feel like I'm here if you need to talk to or if there's anything I can help, you know, whatever, like to reach out and acknowledge what's going on rather than, ignoring it and pretending as you say like losing friends through that like it's mates that kind of just are so freaked out about what you're going through and it's all more about them that they don't reach out or support you or say anything and then you're like what the hell's going on like you know you lose friendships that it's really sad it was probably one of the saddest things I think we had such a tight little group going on and it just yeah it devastated me because I'm like oh gosh out of everyone you know I thought you guys would be there but 
that's their reality too. You know, they're going through their own stuff and you just got to go, well, dude, that's, that's just life sometimes, isn't it? Some people are on the journey, some people aren't, and that's just how it is. But through this process, you meet other people uh, that are maybe more aligned to where you are in your life at that time. And if you can help each other and be kind, then that's what it's all about. Yep. Just so gorgeous to speak to you both today. And I wish you all the very best on this continual journey that you're on. And you're such beautiful humans, I guess, to the end. I reconciled with my situation that I I feel that I'm uh, now a mother to so many other kids that are in my life and, you know, I have so many godchildren thrust upon me continuously. So I have lots of love (laughs) to give all of them, but I wish you all the very best and you're both beautiful people. So thank you for joining us today. Well, thank Thank you you for giving us the safe space to have an important conversation. It means a lot to us as well. So thank you so much. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com.